Good morning. I'm the Reverend Jacqueline Sheldon from St. Paul's Episcopal Church at 220 Valley Street in Willimantic, and you already know I'm delighted to be with you. Let's start with a beautiful prayer about the power and the glory and the majesty of God as we begin our time together, letting our hearts and souls settle in that we might share in God's divine love and God's beautiful embrace of who we are, where we are right now. O Holy One, pure and perfect, creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all creation, true ruler and leader of all, your majesty exceeds our imaginations, your glory is beyond our wildest dreams, your authority is supreme. Therefore, we exalt you by recognizing just how great you truly are to the best of our ability. By praising you and your magnificence with our words and our actions as they express our thoughts and feelings about you, how immeasurably wonderful you are. We also exalt you, O Holy One, by bowing before you. As we go low, so to speak, you rise up. <clears throat> we offer ourselves to you as your servants. We give you our time, our talents, our treasures. We surrender all. We give you our plans and our dreams. We surrender all. Here we are, divine ruler, pure and perfect love, all for you. May our lives be an expression of your majesty. May we live for your glory each moment of every day. Be exalted in our lives, Holy One, O royal ruler of our hearts, now and always. Alleluia. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, 16 through verses 16 through 20. I'm reading to you from Eugene Peterson's interpretation in the message. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, <clears throat> about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptizing them in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. Amen. You know, this is called in Matthew's gospel, the commissioning, and it's the end of his gospel. And sometimes I think it's easy when we're reading the gospels to really escape the true impact and power of 
where the disciples were in a moment and what their emotions must have been. You know, the Gospels were written years. The stories of the Gospels were written down usually at least 30, maybe even 60 years after Jesus had died. So the, um, the full detail of the raw emotion of what was going on in that time period is is not written in a way for us to really recognize it. But if we take this story where Matthew's trying to tell us about the last time that they saw Jesus um, in in the spiritual form on earth before he ascended to the Father, if we take this, if we back up to this story and we think about what the disciples must have been experiencing at that moment, um, the first thing that I want to point out is that um, they were only about maybe tops 50 days after Jesus had been brutally killed and then remarkably raised from the dead and astoundingly appearing to them to really reinforce and show the truth of his power and his glory and that he is resurrected and alive and to bring all of that into focus and to then see that after these short 50 days, he's ascending to the Father to no longer be in that visible form to the disciples as he's been in the last, say, 40 days or so, maybe less, a little bit less. At any rate, the point being, he is about to ascend and they won't be having the same transformative experience of the, the, the spiritual connection of his visual presence with them uh, after resurrection. He's, he's leaving them now to be on their own. And when you think about that moment it, in, in a, a in the moment of, of a person's that you love very, very much, who's been the center of your life in their death and their departure, the pain and the confusion and the loss of balance is remarkable. And it goes on for a long time. It, it, when someone you love who's the center of your world dies, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get better in a year or two years. It can take a very long time because it's not just getting used to the fact that they're no longer with you daily, but it's also about getting used to the fact of who you are now, that they aren't with you physically, and you're not living your life and woven into their lives as you had been previously. So picture that in the disciples right now at this very moment where they don't even know the full impact of what it will mean um, yet to have Jesus out of their lives. They, they're in this state of numbness and grief, and, and they write this story. And again, think about how the story is written years after um, Jesus' death, which means they are remembering not just what happened on that day, but they're remembering what happened since that day to help them carry on in the name of Christ to this moment when the gospel's been written down and all the stories have been gathered. So that that's a big thing to think about. Um, and, and the reason it's really important to think about is because it's telling you that for anywhere from 30 to 60 years after his death and his resurrection and his ascension, there's something that's happened with Jesus that has helped them to shape who they are now and has transformed them in a way that has brought them great 
peace and confidence and strength because the end of this story is about a great peace and confidence strength and something that they've been doing for all these years is mixed into the story of the moment. So what have they been doing all these years? Well, what they've been doing is after Jesus's departure, um, they have been making disciples and baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and remembering that Jesus is with them always in everything, every minute of the day. That's what they've been doing. So they have been defining themselves from their connection and love with him and the life that's evolved since the moment that he died, rose, was present to them, and then ascended. This is really important for you and I to see. This is super important. And this, when we take this, the first thing I want you to notice in this um, story that's really powerful to me is that it, we begin with the idea that um, the moment that they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, though some held back not sure about worshiping and about risking themselves totally. Notice that, that they include the idea that when they saw Jesus, people had mixed feelings. There were people who had mixed feelings about how, how to respond to Jesus and what was real and what wasn't and what they were imagining. And, and I think that makes sense. I mean, I think that to have this, have a powerful relationship with Jesus and to feel the power of the spirit moving in our lives, um, a lot of times it's a wonder. You, you one, you're wondering, is this really happening? Am I really feeling this? It's, it's not a perfect, solid, I got it. I know it's true. It's happening. Look at that. That's telling us about us, even in our lives. There, Matthew's laboring to tell us Jesus is still with you even when you doubt, even, even when something remarkable happens and you really don't know what to do with it or you don't know how to understand it and you're doubting whether it maybe even really happened. You can trust that as it's happening and it really is happening, it will unfold and you will understand it more deeply as you go along. Now, how come I say that that could be possible? Well, I say that's possible because we go into the very next piece and Matthew doesn't write this as if some doubted and then Jesus held back and said, those of you who doubt go to one side while I talk to those who are confident. He doesn't do that. He goes straight in for where everybody's emotions are, whether you're in doubt, whether you're confident, whether you're in awe, whether you're in fear, whatever you are, he goes straight in and says, and now this is what I'm going to tell you. I have this power and I have all this authority. I truly, truly do. And I'm commissioning you. I'm telling you to go. Every one of you, wherever you are emotionally, wherever you are psychologically, I'm commissioning to go. And what is he commissioning to do? He's commissioning them to go and to train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, the way of life that you've learned from me, marking them in baptism in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, right? Wow. That's what he's saying, not to those who are super confident, but to everyone who's there, wherever they are in their faith. Now, if we think about that for a minute, what we can recognize is that this idea of training, making disciples, is about coming alongside and loving and caring and teaching and marking the truth and helping people grow in 
their way of understanding of the way of life. It's not about we teach it for 15 minutes and then you're on your way. It's about being committed to continually walking and sharing and teaching with each other and helping each other grow to more, know more deeply the truth and the way and to be more solid in the walk, to be able to take the places where you doubt and grow. Uh, it's not about just a one-shot deal. So I want you to see that because Jesus is telling us that knowing him and walking with him is a lifetime journey of growing and learning. And we do it with each other in love and compassion to continue to grow. And, and how do we make disciples? Well, we make disciples by living the way and people looking at us and saying, because we grow deeper and deeper in love and more and more confident in the way to walk in compassion, mercy, joy for who we are, people start to say, I want what that person has. They don't say it in 15 minutes because you gave them a story. They say it because they watch the way you live and the way you move and the way you share and the way you love. So Jesus takes this group of people who are shattered and lost and don't know what to do and can't even imagine what their lives are going to be like. And he says, this is what I want to tell you to do. Now that I'm going to be ascending to the Father, I'm going to have you live this life, live this life to the full. Live it, share it, grow in it, and continue to know that I'm with you. And baptizing, remember, baptizing is that, that, that power of surrender. Whenever somebody wants to surrender to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, help them, baptize them so that they might surrender. This goes on and on, right? So we surrender once and we are now marked as Christ and we have the Spirit filling us. But from there, every one of us, all through all these thousands of years, everyone who has been moved by someone who has walked in the way of Christ has been moved for baptism, has been moved to know this love, has been moved to want to give this love away. Every single person who's done that all over 2,000 years has brought more and more love and joy into the world and more and more confidence into people who are lost and in pain and confused over what's going on in their lives. That's what we do. And this is what Jesus shows. This is what Matthew shows here. Jesus says, here's a way not to be lost and confused. Live the life of love and share it with others and encourage them to be with you in it. That's the sum total of life. Now, the fact that this story is written with the idea that some doubt, I believe shows us the generosity of Jesus that recognizes that we surrender a little bit at a time. It's not all of a sudden one day, wow, we know Jesus and we love Jesus and we just walk with Jesus. Our entire lives are built on continually surrendering more and more as we trust more and more deeply in Jesus's love and God's love. And this love that accepts us right where we are, whether we're confused, whether we're doubting, whether we're confident, this love always continues to accept us right where we are and seeks to build us up more deeply to know love and share love in the world. So this morning, as you listen to the song, I Surrender All, I want to encourage you to just think of this magnificent love that is there for you and wants you to live a life of such pure joy that you can't help make disciples of others just because of who you are. Amen. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give 
Surrender. 